Well, good morning. Um, I want to begin today by, uh, by giving a very sincere thank you for all the people who donated to this auction that's coming up next week. You know, anytime you do something for the first time, you know, the first, there's the kind of the first time response, then there's the next time response. This is an amazing first time response. I was watching the stuff come into Sarah's office this week, and I'm just so overjoyed that you guys get it, that you are investing in kids down at the home, and you're investing in teenagers right here. So thank you. I want to encourage you to support them next week. It's, it's great. Well, speaking of overjoyed and happiness um, and having smiles and all that kind of stuff coming our week, this is the last of our four-part series called The Pursuit of Happiness. We're bringing that to a close here today. And as we closed out last week's teaching on this, we told a story that I think not only wrapped up that teaching, but also propels us a little bit today. So let's uh, review that story a little bit. Last week, we closed this story with a, um, closed the service with a story of a woman named Stella. And Stella, uh, not long before Christmas time came, Stella had lost her husband. And so she was entering into the Christmas season for the first time as a widow, and it was really tough. And one day the doorbell rang, and the messenger came, and he had a little box, actually kind of a medium-sized box. And those of you who were here last week, when he cracked that box open, what popped its head out? A puppy. And so Stella was overjoyed, but also very confused. Who in the world would send me a puppy at Christmas? And who was it? It was her husband before he died. He had made arrangements to give her this puppy at Christmas. So we told that story last week as, as we talked about, you know, getting through the storms of life. But this is also, I think, a great story to, to, to talk about today's teaching with. Because today what we want to talk about is how do we give ourselves the gift of happiness in the future? There are some things that we can do right now to give ourselves the gift of happiness in the future. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So we need to do a little bit of review. And if you've got your notes, let's pull it out. Actually, with this review, I was able to re-wordsmith some of the words. Every time I give a teaching, I always go back and, oh, I should have said this and should have said this. Well, here's what I should have been saying for the last couple of weeks instead of what I have been saying. It's just better worded this way. God's peace and joy are the soil from which the greatest happiness springs. I wish I would have had that language for you last three weeks. It only took me three weeks to get that. But, that, but I think it's, it's, it's still true to what we've been talking about. You know, if you, I think it's fair to liken happiness to a seed that is always within us. And if that soil is right, that seed can come forth and bloom. And that's what we're talking about today. How, how, do, we, how do we give ourselves a gift in the future so that that soil can bloom? How can we tend to that soil so that the happiness, I mean, can bloom? And I'm not the only one that talks like this, saying that you can do this. You can give yourself the gift of happiness in the future. There's things that you can actually do to influence that. Research bears this out. Um, if you want, if you got a slide we'll put up here on the, on the screen. Psychologist Henry Cloud writes this. He says, just like your body needs certain nutrients to make it healthy, your heart and your mind and your soul need certain practices to make them happy. Happiness researchers, they are a thing, have found that circumstances can contribute to about 10% of our happiness. Did you get that? So the things that happen to us externally, that's only about 10%. Then I appreciate that Henry Cloud says this, about 50% are, is your, is your um, genetic factors, your temperament, and that's a big deal. Don't ever just look someone in the eye and say, hey, just you should be happy. There are some folks that it's not that simple at all. 
about 50%. But look at this. And here's, here's what gives me a whole lot of hope. The final 40% is entirely within our control. Our choices, our behaviors, our thoughts. There are choices, behaviors, and thoughts that can lead to future happiness. There's things that you can do to give yourself the gift of happiness down the road. And God wants this for you. That's what we've been talking about the last three weeks. He wants you to, have, to tend to this soil so you can experience this happiness. He wants us to have his peace and his joy, and he wants those to take root in your life. And here's two passages that I want to circle back to as we go forward, two, two, two quotes from Jesus himself. These are quotes from an eyewitness who was there, put his life on the line to say this is truth, heard Jesus say these things. This is from John 14, John 15. Jesus of Nazareth said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. And then he says this about his joy. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. Does God want you to experience peace in the future? Yes. Does he want you to experience joy in the future? Yes. And there's things that we can do to set that up. So I want to, with the time we have, I want to focus on four practical things that we can do. And the first one is this. There's a place to write these in your notes as well. The first is this. Pursue a reality-based perspective. Pursue a reality-based perspective. We've explored the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth in this series. The word truth came up time and time again, didn't it? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. The Holy Spirit, we read, is the spirit of truth. Truth matters. And the happiest people in the world embrace truth. They embrace, embrace the truth of this, that we live in a world that is not devoted to our happiness. Isn't that true? We live in a world that does not revolve around us. That's just the truth. And happy people recognize that. Let's go on to the next slide. This is back to the research. Research indicates there's very little correlation between circumstances of people's lives and how happy they are. What was the number? It was 10%, right? Yet, when people respond to the question, why aren't you happy? They blame it on circumstance. In our fallen world, troubles and challenges, they're constants. Happy people look beyond their circumstances to someone so big that by his grace, even great difficulties become manageable and provide opportunities for a deeper kind of happiness. And isn't that the kind of happiness we want to gift ourselves with, right? That deeper kind of happiness. And I want to encourage you that it starts with a reality-based perspective to remind ourselves daily this is a broken world. And there's blessings out there too. We just need to look for them. As we study the teachings of Jesus on the subject, we've seen he was very realistic with his disciples. He did not leave them with promises of you will always have the green light, green traffic light, right? He did not always say you're always going to have a lawn with no dandelions, although that would have been an awesome promise. I would have loved that promise but he didn't give it to us, so I'm going to be reality-based. Jesus said things like this, and if you have your Bibles with you, let's open up to the latter 
chapters of the book of John. That's what we're going to focus. Today we're going to focus primarily on 17, but we're getting a running start at it. So this is 1633. I want to let you know, too, if you don't have a Bible today, we'd love to give you one free. These are where you can find all of these statements and more. Um, there's a copy there at the exit table. Please take one on your way out, along with that water bottle. And looking on the bright side, today just hold your water bottle outside your car window. Fills right up with organic water. You're all good, all right? Here we go. The hap- uh, J- Jesus said this. I have said these things to you that you may have peace. And here's, he's just being realistic. I've said these things, you have peace. And in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Happiest people in the world, they adopt what's called an and stance. They recognize in this world, we're going to have tribulation and take heart. He's overcome the world. Classic illustration for what we're talking about comes from um, this legendary advertisement allegedly appeared in a British newspaper in the early 20th century. We don't know if this was actually an article. There's disagreement about that, but there's a whole lot of people who have commented on this uh, quote by a real person, Ernest Shackleton. Supposedly, he put this ad in a newspaper, this whole idea of being realistic. Ernest Shackleton, just a little background, we can leave that up on the screen, a little background of him. He wanted to be the first person to take a team of people and cross Antarctica, the continent, on foot. All right? So that was his, his goal. So as he was recruiting his team, he said, here's what you're getting in for, allegedly. Men wanted for a hazardous journey, low wages, bitter cold, long hours of complete darkness, safe return doubtful, honor and recognition in the event of success. <laughs> right? Isn't that, I mean, isn't that what a great leader does in the front end? Here is what you're getting into. If you want to join me on this quest, just on the front end, let me tell you, it's going to be hard. It's going to be cold. It's going to be dark. You're going to eat things like penguins and walruses or whatever it is you have down there, right? This is going to be rough. This is not going to be easy, all that kind of thing. And we'll come back to his story a little bit more in a, in a couple minutes. Great leaders, they, they, they do this. And this is what Jesus did. He prepared them for what was to come. He said, let's be realistic. Let's be realistic. In this world, you'll have tribulations. When our master, our example, went to the cross and said, "You, if you be my disciple, take your cross and follow me, we should expect that cross-carrying isn't incompatible with experiencing his peace and his joy, but instead it's part of the journey. And I'm telling myself this as much as anybody else, one of the biggest breakthroughs that you and I will ever have in life comes when we can experience his peace and experience his joy when all isn't as we think it should be. To give thanks for a roof when your window breaks. To give thanks for school during finals week. To give thanks for dentists when they drill holes in your jaw or pull out your teeth. The happiest people you're going to meet they have that kind of perspective, don't they? They recognize in this world we'll have trouble and there's also blessings too. And I tell you, I was blessed this week. This week I had a really cool thing happen. Um, well, it was hard and cool. Uh, the, the, let me just tell you the story. How about that? Um, can we put the shot up of our, this was our team last year. I, I coached my um, daughter in soccer in the summer. And this was last year's team, 2015 team, the ice. And we had a blast. There's me and Coach Cam and Coach 
Bob, and then Coach uh, Raimundo was part of our team too. We loaded up with, with, with uh, awesome coaching staff. We had a blast. It was a season filled with joy and happiness. And so coming into this year, we said, we got to do this again. And so we said, everyone sign up to be on the same team. Put me down as a coach. I'll put you all down as my players. And even though we would all be uh, fifth graders going into a fifth and sixth grade group, let's go for it. We'll have a blast. So we all submitted our names, and then the rosters came back for 2016. And some of our girls weren't on the roster. And so I, I called, you know, I called and sent an email to the club and said, hey, is there any chance you can keep us together um, this year? We had a great thing going, blah, blah, blah. And they said, well, we'd love to, but we can't. And they gave the reasons why. And so I'm like, oh, okay, you know, your call, and I get it. And so, um, so then I got to say, better follow up with these three girls who aren't going to be able to be a part of our team. So I reached out to their parents and, and sent them an email primarily to say to them, hey, just so you know, I requested you. I, this wasn't me selecting some and not others. You know, we're going to miss you guys, but I feel good that what they're doing, they put you with a great coach and those types of things. Let me show you a piece of an email that came back to me from one of the parents. This is what, what she wrote. One of the parents said this. That, within like minutes, she wrote this. She said, thanks for the heads up. And then she said, wow, we're going to have some sad eyes in the morning. While we understand the logic, I wouldn't be truthful if I didn't say I'm disappointed for my daughter. I'm sure, look at this next part. I'm sure that the silver lining will present itself in due time. Being patient to find it is sometimes the most challenging. Thanks again. Much appreciated. With a show of hands, how many of you could predict that this mom is going to have a lot of future happiness? Why can we predict the future? Are you all like future predictors or something like that? No, but we, she's doing things, right? Her perspective will guarantee that she is going to experience happiness in her future. I wrote her back. I said in a hundred words, less than a hundred words, you did so many things. You were able to be honest about your feelings. Actually, I didn't tell her all of this. I said a hundred words was really good. But, but here's some of the things she did. In less than 100 words, she was able to be honest about her feelings. Do you need to be honest about your feelings? Yes, you've got to be honest about your feelings. She was able to celebrate the past. She was able to be at peace with a tough decision that someone else had to make. She held on to an attitude of thankfulness and gratitude in the midst of disappointment. And she had faith to believe that God could work all things for good. No wonder we can look at this person and go, you're going to have some happiness in your future. Not only that, what's she passing on to her kids? Instead of, oh, that club, this, that. She was able to pass on to her kids this legacy, this gift. Once upon a time, there lived a married couple, and they sold umbrellas and sunglasses. What did they sell? Umbrellas and sunglasses. The husband was always grumpy. He was grumpy on days like today when it was raining because nobody bought any sunglasses. And on days like yesterday when it was sunny, he was grumpy because nobody bought any umbrellas. But he had a wife who was always happy. Why was she always happy? Because on rainy days, someone always bought an umbrella. And on a sunny day, someone always bought sunglasses. And for the most part, we get to choose which of those people we're going to be.
Isn't that true? Perspective, perspective, perspective. It matters. So that's one thing. You want to give yourself the gift of happiness in the future? Start having a realistic perspective. Life is tough and God's at work. Number two, pursue a life-giving purpose. Purpose. Now, a lot of people are like, what's my purpose in life? All this kind of stuff. Well, if you ever want to work towards that, one of the best ways is to start at the end and work backwards. Isn't that true? If you're a believer, when you stand, kneel, bow before your creator, what do you want to hear? Do you want to hear, well done, right? Well done, good and faithful servant. So start there. If you're not a believer, you acknowledge you're going to die, right? Start with your funeral and work backwards. What do you want your eulogizer to say about you as they stand up in front of your family and friends, coworkers, neighbors? What do you want them to say? And it's my hope that you would want them to say more than you were really, really busy or more that you were really, really good at a hobby or more that you had really, really nice things. And may I present to you that those something more people have more peace. Those something more people have more joy. Those something more people experience more happiness. I'm making this up on the spot, but I bet it's well-founded that the happiest people on earth, if you surveyed them, they would have some simple other-oriented purpose that they could identify. They would have some simple other-oriented kind of guiding principle that they lived by. And there is no greater example of a life that was aligned with what matters most than Jesus of Nazareth. All right, let's take a look at this chapter 17. And I wish we had time to go through the whole chapter verse by verse. There's so much here. It's, it's a section that a lot of scholars call the high priestly prayer. It is this beautiful prayer that Jesus prays um, as he's closing out his time in the upper room with his disciples. We only have time to look at a couple of the verses. Let's take a look at this one. John 17, 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. This is beautiful stuff here. Now, in this verse, Jesus says something that's easy to miss. I'm going to take us on a tangent for just a second, but it's an important one. Notice how Jesus says the hour has come. Glorify your son that the Son may glorify you. Now, it's interesting here because what Jesus is doing in part, he's confirming he was more than a great man, he was more than a great teacher. Why do I say that? Because Jesus was well-versed in the Hebrew Scriptures, which we call the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, God doesn't give his glory to another. Do you see what Jesus just did there? He said the Father glorifies the Son. If you ever hear people talking about the doctrine of the Trinity, this is one of dozens and dozens and dozens of passages where you see that in play. And it comes down to this relationship that Jesus had with the Father, this relationship that he wants us to experience of. And and that's one of the the powerful things that we see as we continue on here. Let's go on to verse 2 and 3. It says this, You have given him authority to give eternal life to those whom you've given him. And this is eternal life. This is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. To know the Father, to honor him. I mean, this is beautiful stuff. If you're looking for a purpose to live a God-honoring life, it's not a bad place to start. That's what Jesus was about. I want to honor my Father. 
That's a great place to start. And also, here's another thing that's interesting. If you're familiar with the Great Commission, it's the last section of another book of the Bible called Matthew 28. As I was reading through this section right here, some of you might want to go back and look at this. The parallels between this section and the Great Commission are amazing. And that was another thing as a teacher. I look at this, I'm going, this is just, Jesus was the master teacher. He had these principles that he, he was constantly trying to get out there, these purposes, these plans, and he would say them in slightly different ways in, in, and, 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 and to, to slightly different methods to get his message through. And the language that Jesus uses in this instance is remarkable. He prays that we may know the Father and know the Son For the record, Christianity has never been about empty, lifeless, religious practices. It's about the peace and joy that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have with one another in their perfect unity. And that's what God calls us into. All this to say, Jesus, he had a sense of purpose. He knew his his life was about honoring the Father, being in relationship with him. And he calls us to join him in this mission that he's got. And that brings us to number three. If you want to give yourself the gift of future peace and joy, you want to have the right perspective, you want to pursue a purpose that really matters, and you want to pursue your most important priorities, don't you? And do exercise pruning along the way. Throughout his life, Jesus was all about doing the will of the Father. Let's jump ahead to verse 4 here. Jesus says this in 17.4. He goes, I glorified you on earth, Father, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Accomplish the work that you gave me to do. If you want to experience his peace and his joy, you want to focus on the things that matter most. And this is where I want to circle back to Shackleton. And here's a little bit more about the story. I want to encourage, encourage you to, to Google this. This is, this is the real deal. In the early 1900s, Ernest Shackleton gathered a team. And I mentioned earlier their team goal was to become the first group to cross the Antarctic continent on foot. But everything changed when their ship got caught in the ice. And here's a picture of their ship. It was called the Endurance. Here are some real photos of the Endurance trapped in the ice. Now, this is a really big deal. Because they're not just trapped in ice. They're trapped in ice flows. Thousands and thousands and thousands of tons of ice coming together, smashing this thing. Like, imagine J.J. Watt and the Ultimate Warrior in his prime coming out of pinata. You know, this, this just, there is no hope for the ship. Now, here's why this is an especially big deal. They were 1,200 miles away from the nearest human outpost. And you're all looking at me like, and? No, there's no and. That is 1,200 miles. That's from here to New York City, away from help. Uh, that, I thought that was a big deal. I thought it was a big deal. They, okay, they had already been gone about a year. Maybe, maybe this will make it a little more interesting, all right, more and more dramatic. Um, no one's expecting to see them again for a long, long time. And here's the deal. No one knows they're trapped. Nobody knows they're trapped. And it's even worse because what if they knew? What if they were able to say, hey, we're trapped? What are they going to do, send a boat? That's not going to help. There's, there's no airplanes that can do this. So, hey, we're trapped. Yeah, and, you know, Jimmy John's is not a thing. They are, they are just in, their whole, this is a bad situation. So here's where I'm going with all this story. The team used to have another priority. Their priority was let's get, a, get our glory. Let's go across, you know, Antarctica and stuff. 
They have a new priority. What's the new priority? Get everybody home. That's it. That's your priority now. You get everyone home. Anything else has to fall by the wayside. We got to get everyone home. If you're looking for a priority, got any priority, that might not be a bad place to start. Get everyone home. Get everyone home. And one of the advantages, if I can even use language like this, that Shackleton had over us, he had a ticking clock. And that's one of the things that a lot of us are missing. We don't have that sense of urgency when it comes to prioritizing our life. Almost every person in this room, because I know most of you, including myself, we keep saying, I'm too busy, I'm overloaded, all this kind of stuff, right? We just let stuff pile up, pile up, pile up, pile up. We say, this is my priority, and this is my priority, and this is my priority, and this is my priority. And we just let it keep coming for that someday. (laughs) What if we had a ticking clock that said the someday is tomorrow or the next day or the next year? Might it help with our priorities, right? We can't just keep doing more and more and more. If you want happiness in the future, it won't be there if we're just overloaded and exhausted. We won't be seeking peace and joy. That's where that dangerous escape stuff gets in. We start using all kinds of things that are escapes from all the pressure, but it doesn't bring you peace and it doesn't bring you joy. I found this great quote. This is awesome. It's uh, by a guy named Ray Ortland. I've never heard of him before, but he said this. It was really good. Accepting Jesus is not just adding Jesus. It's also what? Subtracting the idols. And that's where pruning comes in. That's where pruning comes in. To say, identify, here's what's most important. I'm going to put that there first, and then the rest is going to have to get in line. Right? We won't experience God's peace or joy if we don't, if we continue to fill our lives with lesser things. All right, that brings us to number four. These are all related, as you see. The next one and last one we're going to talk about today. You want to give yourself the gift of happiness, the future? Have a plan. The way I wrote it to myself as much as anyone else here is put peace and joy on your calendar. Put peace and joy on your calendar. And for a lot of us, then it means, what does that even look like? Well, peace with God, one of the best resources I've, I've found on that subject um, is this one called Sacred Pathways. We've, we've recommended this book 10, 12 times here before. What this book does a great job of is it is, says there are a lot of different ways to fill yourself with the practice and presence of God, and some are going to work better for you than others. Some of you, it's going to be a walk in the woods. Some it's going to be music. Some it's going to be pressing into traditions. And so to to take a resource like this and to start to discover what does bring me peace with God, what does bring me joy with God, what helps me to get a better experience of him, that's a great book. There's also this great book called Essentialism. One of our elders, Tim Stenerson, turned me on to this one. This is a great book about priorities. How do you carve down, how do you, in this crazy, crazy world, how do you start to identify and get down to the things that matter most? And then this is one of my favorites too, this book called The Three Questions for a Frantic Family. We should make this required reading in the suburbs if you've got kids. You know, it's a great book that helps you to press in much longer than a little article or a blog. You press in for an extended period of time, thinking about your family, thinking about the direction you're going. Are we doing the things that matter most? It's a great, great resource. Because you want to get to the spot where you can start to say, what does peace and joy look like on my calendar? What does it actually look like to try to schedule things that will bring me peace and joy? It's a great first step. Put a vacation on there. Put golf on there, whatever. But beyond that, what does it mean to really create a rhythm of life, create a schedule, 
create a plan that's going to help you experience God's peace and God's joy. And there is a lot on the line, people, because it's not just us. It's not just ourselves. It's not just our family. Here's one last quote I want to throw your way. (laughs) They said this, miserable Christians have nothing to offer to a suffering world. And that's a good segue for our next series that we're going to start next week. Next series, I want to I do four weeks on a series called Welcome Home. Welcome Home. You know, this church was God's idea from the start. And when we first started this church, we did a whole lot of things to invite people into our midst. Some of you might remember parades. And uh, we handed you something, right? You guys, the pecs and, and mailers, the Freemans got a mailer and decided to check it out. And we had this, we did a slice of shore view and some people came and never came back from that one. And we had the, uh, <laughs> and we had, you know, the, was it the, the taste? No, the um, farm market. We've done a whole lot of things. Uh, the, the state fair, Crossroads Chapel, we played Crossroads Chapel. Yeah, we played Crossroads Chapel awesome, which doesn't even exist anymore. We did a lot of things. And over the course of years, many of you came and you found a home here. You found people. You found a, a church family. And what we want to do in this series is, is talk more than ever. What, what is this church? Where are we headed? Where are we going? And what could we do to invite people home? That's what the next series is going to be about. So let's pray as we close this up. Father, thank you that you extend us a peace and a joy that is not like the world offers, that's not dependent on how much money we give them for their products or services. But Lord, we thank you so much that you invite us into a real relationship with you that can extend into eternity and a real relationship with one another that can extend into eternity and to a life that can have an eternal impact because we're doing your will and you know all things. Wow, there's some happiness potential in all that. So Lord, may we come away um, from this series with more than just another um, teaching series we can file away somewhere. But Lord, may you help us with any unfinished business we have to apply these teachings so that we could give ourselves the gift of your peace and your joy tomorrow and the day after and the day after into eternity. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.